Shalom Aleichem from the Yiddish Book Center. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am on the phone with Emma Morgenstern. Maybe a familiar name to all of you listeners. Emma was the original producer of Tune In, our podcast series. After leaving the Yiddish Book Center, Emma has gone on to become the director of the Jewish Book Council Network. The Jewish Book Council is a not-for-profit organization which is devoted exclusively to the promotion of Jewish interest literature. Through an ever-growing list of projects and programs, the Council serves as a catalyst for writing, publication, distribution, reading, and public awareness of books that reflect a rich variety of the Jewish experience. We're delighted to have Emma here with us today to talk about some of the books that are on the recommended reading list. Welcome, Emma. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. On the other side of the mic, as it were. On the other side, yes. (laughs) So um, you're going to share some thoughts on a couple of different titles that you think we might want to have on our radar for reading? Right. So both of these books are Uh, have recently come out or will be coming out soon. So the first one I'll talk about is a fiction selection. That's The Tin Horse by Janice Steinberg. Um, So this is a multi-generational novel. It spans um, several generations, uh, mostly based in the L.A. neighborhood of Boyle Heights. And Janice Steinberg, has she's a pretty interesting author. She's written several mystery novels, and this is Um, as it says on the website, part mystery, part sister story, part family history. Um, So that's sure to be at the top of people's lists, a great gift uh, for the holidays or uh, some nice reading in the quiet times in the office in January. Reading in the office, Emma? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm allowed to do that. I don't know about everyone else out there, but I'm certainly allowed to read in the office. (laughs) Or on your lunch break, I guess. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, Janice Steinberg has written numerous novels, yes? Yes, yeah, she's actually a journalist, and she teaches at uh, UCSD in San Diego, and she teaches um, dance criticism and all kinds of... Uh, well, she she's a literature professor, or a writing professor, I should say. Um, so Janice is uh, sort of a powerhouse, and we're really excited to have this book on our list this year. Um, it's it's a little bit, it's an American story, but in a Jewish immigrant story as well. So we're just, we're sure that all of our readers will enjoy it. Great. And what else is on your recommended reading list? Well, I'm really excited about this one I'm going to tell you about. It's uh, Sarah Bunin Benor's book, Becoming From, How Newcomers Learn the Language and Culture of Orthodox Judaism. So this is a nonfiction title. Uh, it's the culmination of 10 years of research by Sarah Benor, who is a professor at HUC, uh, Jewish Institute of Religion in L.A. And uh, Professor Benor is one of my academic idols, uh, as I've told you, Lisa, and I've told a lot of my other uh, geeky linguistics friends. Uh, but she is a linguist, a sociolinguist, and in this book she is studying how people who are becoming religious are using language differently than when they were not religious before. Um, so she uses language as somewhat of a case study in, in the differing cultural practices between religious and non-religious Jews. Um, it's it's uh, a great read from the first few pages that I've gotten to look at. Uh, I enjoy her uh, opening scene of a concert with Modest Yahoo, who is one of these BTs or Baal Teshuvas, um, someone who becomes religious, uh, and really she's 
a great scholar and a great author, so I'm looking forward to this book because it uh, crosses over from the academic into the lay audience. So did she actually immerse herself in everyday life to make these observations? Yeah, she did. She So she's also based in L.A., as I mentioned, so she was um, able to spend a lot of time in a community center and to uh, really immerse herself with the people who are becoming religious and within the religious communities. Uh, so she, I, I find the language part of it fascinating. Um, I've done my own sociolinguistic research, so this was um, it's just great to see someone else who's doing uh, this kind of work and in a much more scholarly fashion than I did mine. Um, but she really was able to get right in there, um, interview people on the ground, um, and it's part anthropology, part sociology, uh, part linguistics. So I think this will really um, sort of appeal to a greater audience than, than uh, most scholarly studies we might expect uh, would appeal to a more narrow audience. And is it all contemporary, or does she look back at different um, iterations of the adaptation of the language within the culture? You know, I'm not sure because I haven't read the book yet, <laughs> um, but I would guess it's mostly contemporary and based on her fieldwork. And um, as she says in the introduction, she didn't realize when she was starting the study if it would have any kind of contribution to the field, and she quickly realized that indeed it would, uh, because people don't necessarily um, think to study the language acquisition of, of people who are speaking their own native language in a different speech community. So a, a non-religious Jew starting to immerse themselves in a religious community would, will speak differently and, and, as it were, acquire the language of that community. Um, so that is her contribution, that she is looking at these people who are adult language acquirers um, and acquiring new vocabulary syntax in their own languages. It does sound fascinating. Um, and Sarah, like yourself, um, is an alum of the Yiddish Book Center. Right, right. I forgot to mention that. She did the summer program, the Steiner summer program in the 90s, I believe. Um, and we actually interviewed her for Pockentrager when I was still on staff at the Yiddish Book Center. And I remember her saying that this is a, uh, it was a really formative experience for her learning Yiddish. And, and she loves to shock people by telling them that she knows Yiddish. So, um, and I'm sure that really informed her research in this book, uh, especially because this, as I said, this is 10 years of work. Mm -hmm. uh, she started her field work in, I think it was 2001. Uh, so not that long, actually, after she was at the book center. Uh, so that'll be It'll be interesting to see how Yiddish plays a role in this book. And while I have you on the phone, Emma, um, I wanted to ask you a similar question. Um, how Yiddish, your understanding of Yiddish culture, Yiddish language, et cetera, um, and certainly Yiddish literature has um, come with you to your new position, which is dealing with Jewish literature, contemporary literature. Well, it's, it's funny you ask that because... Whenever I tell people about my new post at the Jewish Book Council, I always make the joke, Yiddish Book Center to the Jewish Book Council. You know, it's one Jewish nonprofit to the, to the next, <laughs> YBC to the JBC. There are a lot of uh, parallels to be drawn. Um, 
but it turns out that this is actually completely different. What I'm doing here is very different from what I was doing at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, when I was at the Yiddish Book Center, I was always surrounded by Yiddish books, and now it's English books. And so I'm really dealing with, um, as Aaron Lansky might say, the progeny of that Yiddish literature that was always surrounding me at the Yiddish Book Center. Um, so it's really nice to see how those uh, roots plant themselves and grow and blossom, um, and that's really what I'm doing here. Does it inform some of your reading? Sure. I mean, it's if, especially the, the more informed writers are, are alluding to all of these references to Yiddish literature that I would never have uh, been able to pick up on before the Yiddish Book Center, uh, before the summer program, or before the fellowship. So it's it's really great to um, make those connections and to feel like I am an informed reader um, from my time at the Book Center and from my time here at the Jewish Book Council. And you work directly with authors, is that right? Yes, we do. We work with authors, publicists, uh, readers, anyone who's involved in the Jewish literary world, we're, we're working with them. Um, so I'm directing an author touring program for over 200 authors every year. Um, and that's not the only way we engage. Uh, we also here have, um, we have over 3,000 reviews of books that we put online and that have appeared in our magazine, Jewish Book World. And we also have authors who are blogging for us, including Janice Steinberg, actually, uh, who wrote The Tin Horse uh, that we were talking about earlier. Um, she will be blogging for us in January, uh, right around the time her book comes out. Great. So it's a great resource to go onto your website to see what's new? Yes, yes. Uh, JewishBookCouncil.org, that's where you'll find us, or JewishBooks.org, in fact. Um, and you can find all kinds of information from reviews to reading lists to blogs, um, so I think our listeners here, if they're readers, they'll they'll quickly realize that the Jewish Book Council website is a go-to site. Um, it just does seem like it's a great resource for seeing what's new um, that's just being published um, to get information and interviews with some of the writers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we also create bridges between our readers and our authors. We have a monthly Twitter book club, so if if you do have time at work during the day, <laughs> as, as I mentioned before, um, you can log on to Twitter for 40 minutes uh, once a month, and we choose an author each month who has some kind of interesting book or some interesting angle that we think is worth sharing. And so you can go onto Twitter, use the hashtag JLit, and then you can have a conversation with this author. And it's really a fun way to to get the inside scoop on what's going on in these writers' heads, um, why they decided to write their books, how autobiographical they are, which is always my favorite question to ask an author, um, and always the most avoided question for an author. <laughs> um, and I also just, it's, it's a great way to engage with these authors directly rather than just reading their books and putting them back on the shelf. Fabulous. So there's no shortage of literature coming out being published that you could speak about if we wanted to visit with you again? Once a month, and next month is Mati Friedman, who wrote the Aleppo Codex, and that's a nonfiction work, and uh, it's all about the, um, what they call the, ah, I think, or the, I'm not sure, but um, it, it was originally in Syria, and then with all the upheaval in the country in the early part of the 20th century, 
it was quote unquote rescued by the Israeli government and brought to Israel and um, sort of the political history and social history and significance behind that work. So it should be a great conversation. Mati is a reporter for the Times of Israel. Excellent. So um, if you don't mind being on the other side of the microphone, as it were, um, we'll invite you back again to give us a couple of more recommendations for the winter months when we all want to read. All right. Of course, Lisa, I'll do anything. (laughs) Okay. Um, Emma, thank you so much. It's lovely to have a chance to visit with you. And you've given two great books. um, And I will go up to our uh, bookstore and hopefully we'll be able to find them soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Lisa. All right. Stay well. We'll speak with you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a podcast from the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For additional interviews and conversations, please visit yiddishbookcenter.org slash audio or visit us at iTunes. Our producer is Agnieszka Ilvitska. I'm Lisa Newman. Be strong, be well, and tune in again soon.